catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. From 4th to 6th September 2023, African heads of state and government for the first time in decades gathered in Kenya's capital city, Nairobi, to formally take a position on climate change. Why is this important, you may ask? Despite contributing just about 4% to global emissions, Africa is said to be the most devastated by the consequences of climate change. From Ouagadougou in Burkina Faso to Cairo in Egypt, Arusha in Tanzania to Cape Town in South Africa, Ibadan in Nigeria to Mogadishu in Somalia, hunger, war, diseases and poverty, these stories are just too visible to be ignored. A climate activist, Chagos Yude, once told me that the castle rustling crisis in some parts of Africa has a climate leaning to it. So, nearing a decade now, as I speak in 2023, drought and flooding have caused enormous havoc in different areas on the continent, leaving people worse than poverty would ever make them. And these are just the very obvious cases which get public attention. Before 2023, Africa has been more of an observer at the table where discussions on climate issues are raised. But this has to change. And this is why the inaugural Africa Climate Summit happened ahead of the COP28. So what really happened at the summit? What were the key takeaways and how do we need to move forward? What needs to be done? I have Naomi Wagura, the director of solution-led countries of the Global Energy Alliance for People and Planets, GAPP Africa, and Mohamed Wakil, the country delivery lead in Nigeria on a call. And they would actually be walking us through what's, you know, happened and what next steps, you know, they think we should take on. Hi, Nomi. How are you doing today? Hi, Anthony. I'm well. Thank you. Mm. Mohamed, what's up? How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, Anthony. Glad to be here. Beautiful. So let's start with Naomi. What were your expectations before the Africa Climate Summit? So Anthony, usually with these types of things, my expectations are usually pretty low <laughs> because then it could be just another talk show. But from what we saw, because GAP had seconded our CEO and some of our team members to planning the summit, what we saw was a real need and a real desire to bring voices together and to focus on action. And honestly, I have been very, very impressed. The vibe, the energy that was at this climate summit was like almost nothing I have seen in a long time, especially the excitement around coming up with solutions for climate. Okay, so in terms of the solutions and the concrete discussions, what did you what what were your expectations? What were you expecting to feature in, you know, like at the end of the summit? I think a lot of people were looking forward to the Nairobi Declaration and seeing what kinds of solutions the African leaders would put on the table. And the carbon tax, you know, there's some very specific things that are in the Nairobi Declaration, which I think are pretty exciting. Because sometimes the challenge of trying to wrangle everyone to agree on something is that you don't really end up saying much in terms of tangible outcomes. But I think in that sense, it was a political win, having all these political leaders agree to a couple of very specific asks of the global north, of the world, in helping us with our own climate challenges. Mm-hmm. So I think that was that was one of the more interesting things out of this. Mohammed, mm-hmm. were you as excited as Naomi sounds just a few seconds ago? Well, for me, it's a bit different because I'm not um, used to going to such climate uh, summits. And so I didn't have expectations that were as clear as, as, as Naomi's. But my experience over the last few days has shown that there is quite a lot of interest and, and energy in how 
Africa and Africans can address uh, the climate issues that we're facing. And there were so many bilateral events and, and side events and, and lots of interesting discussions. And, and clearly there's, there's a lot of motivation to, to really address climate issues for Africa. Mm. Which of the major agreements, you know, from the Nairobi Charter, you know, the it's now a, a charter, Nairobi Charter 2023, which of these spoke to you, you know, much more? I think the, uh, the agreement to approach funding for climate adaptation and mitigation projects, uh, uh, that approach, the agreement to approach it collectively as a continent and to speak with one voice, I think that is really a step in the right direction. Um, quite often, because there are so many countries in Africa, sometimes we are disadvantaged in, in global discussions. Uh, you have over 50 African countries saying different things compared to you know China or India, who both have over a billion people in, in each country, and uh, you know where, where they can you know say one thing and represent a billion people, and then you have. A, African countries saying different things. I think the opportunity to come together and, and to align and, and to have a, a collective message to the rest of the world, I think uh, that that's the most significant outcome. Mm. And Naomi, how do you think we should move forward from here? I know it's next in COP28. How do you think we should approach it? And any actionable points or um, things that need to be done? Yeah, so I think the charter was one exciting thing. Um, but I also think the commitments, the concrete commitments that came from the private sector, from development partners and from governments in partnership with this. I think for me, there there's real opportunity to show progress in the next couple of technically weeks until COP28 to unlock that financing, make sure it's, it's flowing, set an example that then we can use to amplify the discussion on what can be done. So at GAP, that is our core focus, is getting the money out the door into the solutions that we think and we believe together with our partners are the ones that are needed to actually move the needle in the energy sector. And we've invested more than 200 million at this point in the last 22 months. So I think those concrete commitments, financial commitments and announcements that were made are pretty exciting because they show where we could start before we can then scale up during COP and, and subsequent discussions. Mm, so I was going to ask that, uh, you know, how we're going to get, you know, that money. Because the moment I heard, you know, the 23 billion worth, you know, of commitments, the designer who works with me, you know, you know, started talking about how we've had, you know, a couple of announcements. Uh, it's literally just been a talk shop and you're in charge of, you know, like solution-led countries. You're the director for that. So um, how would you be approaching, you know, you just talked about how it's important to get the money out and you get it to um, those on the ground. But I want you to speak to that a little bit more so that, you know, these monies that have been announced, these commitments that have been made actually see the light of the day. Yeah, thanks, Anthony. And so I can speak to a particular example just to um, mm -hmm. show what this is like on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So in a country like DRC that produces a lot of the critical minerals that are necessary for the energy transition, mm -hmm. there is widespread energy poverty, right? And so as GIAP, one of the things that we're doing together with other private sector and development partners is actually funding electrification projects of large urban population centers that do not have access to clean, affordable electricity. So putting money into projects on the ground, still on the ground, that actually provides access in a way that is sustainable, but also 
showing that lending finance, right, our philanthropic capital together with development capital from others, but even private capital, right, how do we unlock that for markets like that that are seen as too risky and show that really the returns are there, both on the climate side, on the people side, but also on the financial and economic side. How do we show that? And we can only show that by demonstrating with projects like this. Mm. And thank you very much for that. Using DRC was a very, very good um, way to um, demonstrate that. From To Mohammed, um, you're in Nigeria and, you know, former vice president, um, Professor um, Yemi Usibancho, there were a lot of plans and a lot of discussions um, last year and um, the year before around how Nigeria was going to move and it, the plans it, it has what does this you know summit you know do in terms of the plans that nigeria already has and the ones that have been announced and how nigeria is moving towards you know um, a greener and a much more sustainable uh, economy right so nigeria has committed to achieving universal electricity access by 2030 and has also committed to um, achieving net zero carbon emissions by 2060 and so gia is here in Nigeria in order to help the government achieve those objectives. The commitments the government has has made are, you know, are, are still in place. It doesn't matter if, if there's been a political transition. Uh, the new government has shown keen interest in continuing that work. There is a team that GIAB is helping to fund uh, based in the presidency that has been working with the previous vice president and is also working with the current vice president. In, in the president's office, there's also uh, the senior special assistant on energy transition. And, and so it's clear that there is commitment to continue this work and, and GIAP is here and, and is committed to continuing to assist the government. Okay, so I would want both uh, Naomi and Mohammed, both of you to make you know a comment on you know a couple of activists who are saying that carbon credits moving towards the line of carbon credit putting that you know at the top um, of the demands would allow polluters to it's more like a pretext um, you know for polluters to keep you know emitting and keep polluting Um, any comments on on that both uh, Mohammed and Naomi as we wrap up yeah I can um, comment a little bit on that and I think some of the criticism is warranted right nothing is a perfect solution And so I think a lot of the issues with the carbon markets are known and there are a lot of people working to address them because we really do think that there is a way for that capital to flow into African solutions in a way that is equitable. And so I think the, you know, the voices are necessary, right? The people have to say what works for them, what doesn't work for them. And so, but I think as, at least as GIA supporting ACME and supporting other actors in the market, our main concern is how do we address all of those concerns that people are raising, the civil society, communities, project developers, governments, in a way that actually helps the money flow at the end of the day into projects that we care about, that concern us and that help us in a way that is equitable. And so I think, you know, that, that, that's what we're working towards as GIA, but also I think as an African community, we have to be very conscious to bring solutions to the table in addition to all the very welcome, you know, conversation. Mohammed, mm. any comments um, as we wrap up? Um, just to say that in Nigeria, um, the government passed the Climate Change Act uh, in 2021. It set up a national council on climate change uh, headed by the president. That council plans on uh, creating and regulating um, a voluntary carbon market in Nigeria. 
I think it's clear that that is a, a very important potential source of funding for a lot of the, the renewable energy and, and climate change projects that are being planned in the country. And so, yes, there are valid criticisms, um, but they will be taken on board in order to improve the system and ensure that, um, uh, as Naomi says, uh, the outcomes are equitable. Okay, finally, um, one, uh, just a, a minute um, to Mohammed and Naomi as we wrap up. Just general thoughts on, you know, the ACS and what the future looks like. All we've been trying to do is to getting, going forward together and figuring out what happens at COP28, what do we bring to the table there, and so on and so forth. Okay, uh, Mohammed? Yes, yeah, so just, um, I'm quite optimistic about uh, the board for uh, African countries, uh, including and especially Nigeria. There is now going to be a lot of work uh, to clarify the messaging and, and the requests that are going to be uh, presented at COP28 and, and onwards. So, um, And I think it's been announced that uh, the Africa Climate Summit is, is something that's going to be happening every two years or so. And, and I look forward to seeing um, the progress that comes out of that. Thank you very much for the time. Um, Naomi Wagura, Director of Solution-Led Countries for Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet, and uh, Mohamed Wakil, the Country Delivery Lead um, for Global Energy Alliance for People and Planet Nigeria. Thank you for the time. And I look forward to having um, you know another conversation, most likely, um, on the build-up to COP28 and afterwards to maybe like you know talk about the monitoring or you know actually getting the commitments down to solutions that improve the life of um, all of us and help us better fight the climate change and the crisis around it that we're currently experiencing. Thank you, Naomi, for the time. Thank you, Anthony. Very lovely to speak to you. Yes. Bye. Yeah. And Mohammed, thank you very much for your time too. Thank you, Anthony. Till next time. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.